0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Subconscious, a podcast made by two friends over two drinks, attempting to disguise thirty minutes of frantic googling with semi-professional audio recordings. I'm Joseph, and joining me, as always, is Colin. We're two longtime friends currently living on opposite ends of the world, sharing our catch-ups in the most millennial way
1: possible. A podcast, and I'll have you know, I actually researched forty minutes this week. <laughs> so jokes on that intro uh, <laughs> man i'm sure i'm sure it's very intellectual given yeah. the extra 10 minutes oh uh, if anyone knows like just the topics that i talk about are barely intellectual like this <laughs> week uh, i guess we'll just see later i've gotten some yeah. feedback from uh certain individuals that we may know who have listened to our podcast um interesting yeah they've they've been good um before you announce what, what you're what you drinking today, I know yep. that a lot of people picked up that you drink water and tea quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> and um, props to them in terms of like, I guess, analysis and whatnot. Like, um, uh, I can't quote it directly because I don't have my phone right now. But yep. um, someone said along the lines, your podcast is just... Joseph talking about science stuff and you stuttering a lot.
0: (laughs) Um, You know, I've gotten the opposite feedback. What do you mean? I've gotten Colin says something intellectual while you go uh, 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 uh for five minutes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, scallops have up 200 eyes. (laughs) This is the new standard of academia um oh man yeah anyways
0: so i'm wh- being uh, extra conscious today okay. to not go um
1: and um but um <laughs> <laughs> if anyone got that but uh <laughs> but um <laughs> um yeah Anyways, speaking of drinks what, what are you having so today i'm
0: having tea <laughs> again <laughs> but this time but this time, I've got the facts down. I know what, where it's. Fr- I know what it is. I know where it's from. All I've got right, a whole backstory to it's tell you It's not just black tea. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Okay. So today I'm having, and I'm gonna like you know name drop some Chinese places because oh, guess right. what? Orientalism. No, that's racist. But whoa.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Anyway, today I'm having a tea called Baiya Qilan. Um which originates from a county in China called Pinghe in a province called Fujian. And probably people will think like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, but fun fact, um, it's actually decently close to where, where I used to live back in primary school.
1: Um, uh, taste of apparently, home.
0: <laughs> yeah, apparently this tea has a 250 year history and it's has a very straightforward story. The okay. name, the tea was named 白亚其兰 because it comes from a tree in the county called 白亚其兰 <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah, the locals used to pick its leaves to make oolong tea uh, by roasting it with like a charcoal method. Uh, and they've managed to expand its cultivation through asexual
1: propagation
0: much like the banana.
1: <laughs> okay, I you lost me at the asexual part.
0: Uh, so some plants are like when you farm or when you try and like make expand like its cultivation, like it's uh, I think you like take the branch of the original plant and then you essentially make clones of it. Oh. And that's I think that's how like banana cultivation works. Currently. And that's that's I think you've like heard about facts where a single disease could wipe out our banana
1: population. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there's you no know. diversity in the genes and things. Yeah. Right?
0: So it's it's like that because you want like the same quality of tea leaves every time. So mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense. Uh, right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah. And so I currently qual- lack. Th- sorry, you go. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I currently lack the ability to describe the exact notes. Of uh, The tea, but according to this site that I've been looking at, it has, it describes it as having a peculiar smell of orchids, which actually, now that I'm conscious of it, it actually does. And okay. I guess
1: that's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm having ah. this week. Orchid peculiar tea that's named after itself. I, mm. I swear, that's like naming your child, child. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah (laughs) yeah so what are you having um funny funnily funnily (laughs) there goes the Uh, start i guess on the same note i'm having it's not from home or anything but my mom actually made this um and okay it may sound really weird but i swear to you it's actually not that bad i believe this is more of like a cantonese tradition but it's like salted preserved kumquat
0: ah yeah I get. i think i think I yeah know
1: what you're talking about yeah you can definitely get this in hong kong in like bottles like just like banakwa mm. bottles but like obviously it's not banakwa mm. um but yeah it's uh my mom has made this like oh well i just know it's like eight plus years old so it's like it's when i moved in to my house here so it's been quite oh, wow. a while mm i'm just drinking it yeah it's pretty i don't know it's weird it's a kind of very very subtle salty front notes to sound fancy Mm. but like you know it's salty (laughs) and it's like very mandarin citrus sweetness it's kind of weird and it also doesn't look fantastic it looks like murky brown um Mm. but uh i guess if you put it in a pint glass like I am. It looks fine. Um, (laughs) It's Fancy. (laughs) um, But uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I quite like it. I completely get it. It's like I think it's a quiet taste kind of thing, like licorice, which licorice, um, which I uh, completely despise. I remember I uh, called it, what, Toxic Rubber one episode (laughs) back then, but uh, Mm -hmm. I still stand by that.
0: (laughs) Are there any like fringe asian health benefits of drinking your um your salted kumquat
1: it tastes good <laughs> yeah. i don't know i don't know actually i i maybe you know how like there's like oh yeah like um oh if you eat this like you can i don't know your have more virility energy will increase <laughs> your what virility sure <laughs> But um, I I, I don't know it. I don't know much about that. Um, I, maybe that'll be the next topic or fun fact. I'm pretty sure most of it is just like urban myths. But mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: My topic this week is very near and dear to my heart, or I should say stomach, because today I'm going to be talking about food, but. More specifically, how we taste things. Um, so not actually near the heart, because we taste. Oh.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> but I digress.
1: <laughs> yep. Um,
0: good start. Uh, <laughs> yeah, great start. As a, as a fellow human being, I'm guessing you too require
1: sustenance. Oh, I don't know. I just drink beige, tasteless smoothies, man. Like Captain Holt. Mm. <laughs> What's that, like...
0: What was that drink, like, back in the day? It was, like, Soylent or something? Um, I don't know.
1: What's that? Like, it Soylent. was
0: It was just, like... Oh, it was, like, a meal that you could just drink. And it had all the nutrients that you needed. Um, oh, wow.
1: Like, blended McDonald's.
0: Long, yeah, essentially. Except, like, I don't think McDonald's is well-rounded in nutrition. <laughs> But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, like I've just got a question to ask you. Okay. Um from what you know about food and tasting food. Uh-huh. <laughs> how would you describe how that process happens, Colin? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Joseph, uh Wait, h- like how how do I taste things?
0: Yeah, I guess like what kind of process happens? Okay, how would you describe that process?
1: okay, let's just say I put a piece of food in my mouth mm-hmm. and then chemicals react well uh, well the flavors get picked up by my taste buds and I kind of yep. chow down and like you know make the food um into smaller pieces so that I mm. can digest it easier so I false down my throat and mm. uh I think it just goes straight to the stomach, yeah, yeah, and then. Yeah. What it hits like my stomach, and then <laughs> you get uh, lactic acid. Was it that like um, what do you call it? Uh, no. Digest, no, summary. not like not lactic acid. It's not, <laughs> hydro- hydro- hydrochloric acid, yeah, hydrochloric. Yeah. Okay, not uh, lactic acid, it's like yeah. why your muscles hurt after a workout, um, <laughs> yeah, part of the
0: reason why you're sore after a workout,
1: yeah. Um, oh. and then well, that's yeah. no, that <laughs> mistake's now recorded on. <laughs> public media
0: (laughs) yeah i appreciate the response um and it's good (laughs) Um. sorry the sound is so passionizing actually like yeah it was it was really good um Um, but you know all the stomach part just that's about digestion and so let's just dial it back to the tasting (laughs) oh my bad yeah (laughs) no 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 no. i kind of i wasn't very specific anyway Hmm. but anyway (laughs) throwback to my previous topics about pain and the heart Uh, taste is again just another sense that relies on your sensory receptors and nerves and signals and like yeah you just described it before
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: pretty much the same thing so I'm not going to bore everyone with how signals and stuff works (laughs) again Mm -hmm. (laughs) so the too long didn't read version, sensory receptors and your taste buds triggered by molecules in your food send signals to your brain and then Let's you experience a food chasm. <laughs> oh. But you know, that's not all that I learned this week. Um, so my follow-up question is, and this will be an easy one, what are the tastes that you are aware of?
1: uh, sweet, sour, salty slash umami, um, bitter, and spice. Mm. Ooh, like heat. But I don't think heat really is a taste bud thing. (laughs) Mm. Yeah.
0: I will expand on this later. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, you've essentially, like, said all of them. Um, Like, common tastes that people are aware of. Sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and savory. Mm -hmm. Which, savory is also known by fancy people as umami. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, as I mentioned before, molecules in your food hit your sensory receptors. Um, So... I just learned in the last 30 minutes (laughs) about what specific molecules trigger those tastes that we experience. So let's deep dive into tastes. All right. First, sweetness. When we taste something sweet, it's usually associated with sugar. And those are exactly the kinds of compounds that cause the sensation of sweetness. So examples would be glucose, fructose, lactose, every other os you can think of. Mm -hmm. And they're in foods like fruits or milk, and it can taste sweet to varying degrees. But there are other substances as well that can cause the sensation of sweetness, such as amino acids that make up proteins, uh, or certain alcohols. Which is Uh cool. And so, interesting aside, you know when you're eating something really starchy? Yeah. So let's say, like, a saltine cracker or something. Mm -hmm. Usually, you would associate that with saltiness, but have you ever like chewed really long and just kind of left it <laughs> swirling in your mouth? Oh
1: yeah. And you get like,
0: and it's not sweet, sweet, but it's like, it's like mildly sweet right? Yeah. for a while. So fun fact, I'm bringing a lot of facts today. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why that happens is that starches are just carbohydrates with many glucose molecules bonded together.
1: Go home. Not in the, Come not on. in the you know, racist way. But like... Wait, what? Oh, that the- oh, <laughs> oh, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, uh, there's an enzyme in your saliva called amylase, and it will break down the starch to more simple sugars. So if you chew long enough, the broken down starch, now in the form of glucose, will trigger the sweet receptors in your taste buds.
1: Ah. Oh. Wait, so, okay, if you're telling me like, starchy things. Like mm. If I had mashed potatoes, yeah? Mm. If I chewed long enough or, like, kept it in my mouth long enough, mm. there would be some, you know, sugar compounds being broken down and things or broken into sugar compounds and stuff.
0: Yeah, so you would taste, like, a mild sweetness. Oh. So, watch out next time you're when you're eating something starchy. Just chew a little bit longer and you'll get a new flavor profile. Huh so next taste is salt and I think we are all fam- very familiar with being salty on the internet
1: oh um, words but <laughs>
0: <laughs> the thought. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay but the sensation of saltiness is caused by foods containing salt
1: uh, oh or- no way <laughs> <laughs>
0: but in like more chemical terms it's sodium chloride which Mm -hmm. is the chemical makeup of table salt Uh, and a bit of basic chemistry salts will usually dissociate to the ions it's made of in solution so when you like dissolve salt in water just imagine the sodium and chloride ions that make up the salt will become floating individual like individual sodium and individual chloride And usually it's like the sodium ions that will trigger the taste receptors in your tongue to create that salty sensation. Mm -hmm. uh, Which can also be triggered by mineral salts, uh, which are made of potassium or magnesium instead of sodium. So, throwback to Himalayan salt. uh, I don't have a segue. (laughs) 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 Anyway... (laughs) But a throwback, <laughs> nonetheless. <laughs> yes. Um, sourness <laughs> works very similarly too. Um, but instead of salts, it's acids. Mm-hmm. So the sensation of sourness is caused by hydrogen ions, which split off an acid when dissolved in a watery solution. So if you think back to the salt uh, example, where sodium chloride break off into sodium individually and chloride individually,
1: uh-huh.
0: an acid will break up into the acid component and then a hydrogen component. Okay. If that makes sense. So that single hydrogen ion is what triggers this taste receptors in your mouth and then you feel
1: oh. sourness. So it's not the acid component.
0: Uh well like you have to have that acid to have that hydrogen
1: component. Oh right, yeah. But oh uh, uh, yeah. yeah. My bad, my bad. <laughs> well duh. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and I guess like it depends like how sour it is by I actually don't know if it's to do with the strength of the acid, but I imagine like you don't want to be drinking like hydrochloric acid. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, typically sour foods like are acidic, like lemons, which contain citric acid. And that's the cause of the sourness. But yeah. So savoriness. It's interesting because a while ago you said savoriness slash saltiness, right?
1: Yeah. I thought
0: it's actually a different taste. Oh, and I actually had like the same kind of like association together. Like I thought it would just like the same thing. Uh huh. Um, so another reason why it's called umami is because I think it was discovered by Japanese scientists. Like the specific taste bud, um, uh huh, the specific receptor that you know lets you experience savoriness. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I like before I was just like, oh, saltiness and savoriness, they are kind of the same thing, right? But apparently, it's different, and The best way to describe it is like the taste of broth for savoriness.
1: Yeah, like good ramen broth or like, Mm. you know, stock, like chicken. I think like whole bodied, right? Like that's kind of the
0: feeling. Yeah. Um, But yeah, if you have a more refined palate, you can probably like really instantly tell what's umami and what's saltiness. Mm. Um, But this taste is usually caused by glutamic acid or aspartic acid. Uh, And I know they're acids, but I guess they trigger different receptors. So they don't cause sourness. Um, And they are found in foods like ripe tomatoes, meat, and cheese. And it's also the reason that in a lot of Asian cuisine, MSG, short for monosodium glutamate, is added to enhance flavor because it's a precursor to glutamic acid. Yeah. And lastly, we have the sensation of bitterness that's caused by many different proteins. So not as specific as the other tastes. And yeah, so there's just a lot of different things that can cause bitterness. And the prevailing theory for the reason why we sense bitterness is evolutionary. evolutionarily speaking, recognizing foods that were potentially poisonous was important for us to survive and hence a broader scope of
1: Ooh, politics. that's pretty cool.
0: Uh, There are also other taste sensations, not just like the five that we've mentioned here. There's also like fatty, like taste sensations, alkaline, water-like, and metallic.
1: Wait, I would Uh, assume like alkaline and metallic are kind of the same.
0: uh, I think uh, alkaline refers to, you know, like certain noodles that are like alkaline.
1: Maybe I don't understand the word alkaline.
0: (laughs) Uh Uh it's hard to describe. It's like really specific.
1: Okay. But, but you know, when I you
0: have like yeah. Sorry, you go.
1: Oh yeah, I was also going to say like, you know, I I I couldn't even figure out the difference between salty and umami, so I can't really tell between <laughs> alkaline and metallic. Um I think
0: metallic is very much the the taste you get when you lick like a door handle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't don't lick your door handle, please. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> the mechanics behind them are less well-researched. So uh, we don't really know what exactly causes those sensations. We just know that, you know, people do feel a difference when they
1: taste fatty foods or water-like foods or metallic yeah. kind of tasting stuff. Cause um, I, like, you say fatty, I do kind of get that. Mm. Like a, I don't know, like butter on toast mm. or like a butter sauce. But yeah, I, I don't like know. This,
0: there's a reason why, like wagyu, is so expensive because it's just like ninety percent fat.
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds like ninety percent goodness to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretty much. Mm. Although I wouldn't drink lard. <laughs> no,
1: no, no. I yeah.
0: It's just hundred percent goodness. Like I just can't take that much, that much goodness. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, there might be some other sensations associated with foods that I might have missed out on. Can you think of anything?
1: <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, um, uh, oh, no. Perhaps... You mentioned this
0: before, like, when we were starting. Oh,
1: spice, uh, I don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So, I'm just gonna pretend this was a spur-of-the-moment question and not a scripted segue, but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there's... all. <laughs> There's also sensations of spice and mint, uh, which are technically not tastes, Ah. but for all intents and purposes, they're, like, triggered in a very similar fashion. Uh Molecule hits receptor, receptor sends signal to brain. You get the gist of it. Uh, But the reason why they're not, they're technically, like, not tastes is because the receptors responsible for firing the signals are not classed as taste receptors. Right. Because they're actually more closely related to temperature and pain receptors.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So they belong in a family of receptors called TRP channels, but you don't really need to know that. All you need to know is that they also work by having specific molecules, which are in spicy and minty foods, trigger very specific receptors that sends signals of either heat slash coolness and pain. Mm -hmm. And the molecule, I think everyone's quite familiar with this one for spicy foods is called capsaicin. Yep. And in mint, like in minty foods, that like cause cool, it's menthol. Right. Yeah. And there's actually another molecule. Uh, so you know, the spice of wasabi. Yeah. It's it doesn't feel the same as like no. s- normal Very spice different. from like a chili. Yeah, that's because it's actually caused by a different molecule called allyl isothiocyanate.
1: Yeah. Uh sure
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it's a different molecule triggers a different receptor and makes you feel like you can sneeze your entire lungs out
1: (laughs) and that's what i learned this week (laughs) well that's pretty cool actually you've given me a few you know things to kind of like be aware of next time i eat which is like in Mm. three hours
0: Yeah, you can just chew your noodles a little bit longer and just be like, oh, it's sweet.
1: (laughs) What do you know about kebabs? I know that they're delicious. (laughs) All right. If I asked you, what is a kebab? What would you say?
0: Ooh, I would say it's any form of meat on a skewer. I'm guessing there's, like, a very specific preparation method, right?
1: Well, okay, you you basically took, like, half of my content away. But um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, no, but, like, it, it's it's true. I, I, I think not a lot of people um, realize this. Yep. That um, Oh, well, I'll get to that later, to be honest. Mm. You know, like, usually when we go to a kebab shop mm. and then we order, like, a lamb kebab or a chicken kebab, it's mm. a wrap with... Veggies, um, sliced meat, or falafel with a sauce, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's usually a wrap, yeah? So in most English speaking countries, um, that's what a kebab is. But. Um, oh, yeah. Like gen- when you
0: order a kebab, it's usually like a wrap, not. Yeah, yeah. I get, I get you. I get you now. Sorry. Just exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So generally, it actually refers to, like, as you said, like various different types of cooked meat dishes. From the Middle East, uh, East uh, Eastern Asia, and also the Mediterranean. Which sometimes include vegetables. but And they can be prepared in just so many ways I can't even list out. But um, yeah, so it's not actually a wrap. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. So it's like what a kebab mm. is not automatically a wrap. And because there's just, again, so many variations. Kind of like the word, you know, chow mein. <laughs> or chow mein, you know, <laughs> where Actually, I should have to think I about believe- what you just said. <laughs> yeah, it's like what did you just say? <laughs> like stir fried noodles. You know, chow mein yeah. in I guess American Asian American Chinese food means mm. um, a very specific type of dish. As mm. as far as I know, I've never been to the US, um, but you know, chow mein translated is literally stirred fried noodles. And yes. that doesn't give you much info other than the way it is prepared. And as you may know, um, stir-fried noodles, they come in just so many different forms. Mm. Not just in China, but like, you know, uh, Southeast Asia. You have like Pad Thai. You have like, what do you call it? Like Lassi. Mi goreng. No, uh, goreng, not lassi. Yeah. <laughs> Man. But like just in Asia, there's a lot of um, you know variations and whatnot. Yeah. So it does not, you know, it denotes a specific category, mm. un- uh, unlike you know a-, a name such as beef Wellington. Oh. But before I go to kind of like discuss a few different types of kebab dishes, some more common, some lesser known that I've mm-hmm. found, and just seem so epic. Uh, <laughs> I've got to lay down some facts and and try to blow your tiny mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just call me tiny. <laughs> but um yeah, uh, fact number one, researchers found that the average kebab, and I'm assuming here kebab wrap, provides 98 percent of the daily salt quota for an adult. Oh. So you probably shouldn't eat too much, I guess. Mm. kebab rap <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know a kebab is a kebab it's great and um, speaking Norwegian with an Arab accent or apparently with a lot of words and expressions borrowed from Pakistani Turkish Arabic and Persian languages is sometimes referred to as a I'll see if I can pronounce this right kebab norsk mm which literally means kebab norwegian which in itself is i guess quite a derogatory term wait when would you say this word like i guess like if you were a norwegian like or in norway mm-hmm. and if you had if you're speaking that if you're speaking norwegian with this certain like you know arabic accent oh okay i get it now yeah. you were known as a kebab norwegian apparently <laughs> interesting <laughs> yeah. I mean I wouldn't go around throwing that term around to be honest I wouldn't go around throwing that term around I wouldn't say that basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to f- move on to kind of like giving a few descriptions of some common and more really epic uh, kebab variations if you will
0: mm-hmm.
1: I know there are two types of kebabs That are just kind of quite commonly seen in menus all over the world. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. What do
0: you think they are? I think one of them is like the donor
1: kebab. Uh Uh-huh. A plus. That's the only one I can think of right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. I'll start with donor kebab. Mm -hmm. So donor kebab apparently is also kind of synonymous or like interchangeably used in certain restaurants as with like shawarma, gyros, taco, al pastor. Mm. And, you know, but of course they have like very different national origins. And like, I'm I'm pretty sure like their recipes are slightly different, but Mm. the donor basically remains the same as Mm. just like beaten pieces of meat, whether that be chicken, lamb or beef that are seasoned. And then uh, with local herbs and spices and then put on a vertical spinning skewer. So that's it's mm. like the large tornado of meat that you see in kebab shops. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like this. <laughs> <laughs> and, then yeah, and then they're grilled vertically. Mm. So that's usually when we encounter donor kebabs. But yeah. there are kind of two main ways of like serving that. So there's donor kebab. So K-E-B-A-P mm-hmm. in the sense that It is literally what I just described, but it kind of comes on a plate with, like, rice, fried potatoes, and salad on the side. Okay. And then the other way is where is the wrap that you kind of see, so you know. Mm. Uh, It's called Donor Durum. I don't know. It's it's D-U-R-U-M, and both the U's have the, like, umla, like the two dots on the top. Yeah. So I don't really know how to pronounce it, but... um, so that's basically the wrap where it's like you know tortilla like thin pieces of discs <laughs> that's a really bad description of a wrap but you know what i mean and the other more common variation is a sheesh kebab ah yes yep yeah and that is where s- usually is like small cubes of meat that mm. are cooked on a skewer and it's not vertically you know cooked or grilled, it is, like, horizontally put on, like, um, I guess, barbecue stands, and you get, like, charcoal underneath. Mm. And that, usually, sometimes you put, like, peppers and, like, onions on them. Yeah. But, again, variates varies between, like, which country you're in and what style and whatnot. Mm. Now, we're we're gonna get to some, like, real cool ones I found. Ooh. I... I'm not lying when I say I swear there were hundreds of variations of kebabs. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. But let me introduce to you Lyulia, Lyulia kebab. So, why? It's L Y U L Y A kebab. And this is a kebab mainly seen in Azerbaijan. Mm. And as a. It's usually lamb or mutton grounded up with onions with a, in, in a meat grinder with some pepper, salt, and local spices. Mm-hmm. And the ratio has to be 400 grams of onion to 1 kg of meat. Ooh. And this will allow the mince to kind of stay on a skewer, which is then fried on a barbecue that is called a mangal. Mm-hmm. And then it is served with an optional sprinkling of sumac. Oh, So, I'm hungry. Same. (laughs) Actually, could you describe
0: sumac? Because I only
1: heard the term, like, watching, like, Bon Appetit. I still don't really know what that is. Same. I have never came across sumac in my life. (laughs) But from what I know, I think it's, like, slightly tangy and sour. But, you know, don't quote me on this. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But it makes
0: sense to like cut through the fattiness of like
1: Yeah. Yeah. The second one, you will definitely know this, is Chuan. Mm. So, or chuan, if you're from like Beijing <laughs> or something. <laughs> um and this originates from the province of Xinjiang, mm. where the Uyghur people live. And mm. uh, they know this as Qawap. Ooh. And um This is a very popular dish in, I guess, Chinese Islamic cuisine Mm -hmm. and has definitely spread across China because I had it in Guangzhou. So like the least (laughs) culinary, I guess, significant place (laughs) in China.
0: The most southern you can go, yeah.
1: But yeah, although, um, you know, the traditional way is to use lamb, Um, you know, you can see this being made with uh, chicken, beef, pork or seafood. And um, these are really small skewers, so you kind of, like, have them as street food, and a lot of them include um, cumin, pepper, sesame, and sesame oil, and it's fantastic, because, I don't know, I really liked it when I had it. Yeah. And then the last uh, super epic variation that I found was a kind of kebab that is served with a spicy tomato sauce and Aleppo pepper, which is very common in Aleppo since it's named after <laughs> the city. <laughs> um, so yeah, from Syria and uh, also popular in Lebanon, apparently. Mm. Um, and it is called a kebab halabi. And this variation of kebab in itself has 26 variations so, or okay. around from the, from the source I found. Yeah. One of them, I, and I've picked out two, one's called kebab karaz. Mm -hmm. And this is lamb meatballs, which is like kind of, um, I guess, braised or cooked on a stovetop, along with cherries, cherry paste, pine nuts, sugar, and pomegranate molasses. That sounds
0: culinarily complicated.
1: (laughs) I know. All right. This is... I've never come across most of those ingredients. (laughs) Um, And then the other one's called kebab hindi, which is uh, baked rolled meat with tomato paste onion capsicum capsicum and again pomegranate molasses i guess it's quite popular there Mm. but yeah that's all i have for you this week um i don't know how i got into this rabbit hole but i think i was watching some vice documentary on like um food of tehran and Mm. i saw kebabs and i'm like this is what i'm going to talk about yeah, I'm very hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, generally, I search this up. They look so good. Yeah, I think I'll like
0: look at them as I eat dinner. <laughs> mhm. Just feel like look at all this food that I'm missing out on. <laughs> the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's fact time <laughs> hey that was not the fact though yeah. because Joseph doesn't get to give facts when it's my turn mm, it's my bad anyways <laughs> you know how some people are like allergic to cats or dogs but you know some people are allergic to cats yeah yeah Right. guess mm-hmm. what some cats are actually allergic to people wow but that- thank God because cats are demons. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Let's all start a debate right now. <laughs> Team Dogs, yo. Okay. Cats, what do they do? <laughs> they are apex predators.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And they get a, they get rid of mice around my neighborhood. So. Wait, do cats actually eat mice? The wild ones do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like, oh, like I'm, I'm guessing like a house cat, yeah, or mm. stray cat. Whoa,
0: yeah. eat mice. Oh, uh, well, like the neighborhood cat, like in our neighborhood, <laughs> the doy, <laughs> like the hunts mice. Cat. <laughs> yeah, hunts mice around. Really? Place. Whoa.
1: Yeah. Okay, I don't know why, because I always thought it was like a cartoon thing, like Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry. You know, like the. the the, the mouse is afraid of the cat and the cat's afraid of the dog and the dog's afraid of the human, you know? (laughs)
0: Mm. I mean, dogs aren't afraid of humans. They're actually man's best friend. So uh, Uh, apparently this dog lover here thinks that dogs are afraid of humans. (laughs) (laughs) So I rest my case. I'm I'm (laughs) according to cartoons. PETA, this man right here.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> You've beaten me. <laughs> Career ended. <laughs> I'm gonna start a new podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, mm. But wow, yeah. cats
0: are allergic to humans.
1: Yeah, apparently some. I don't know why, but uh some are, according to um the website where I found the fact. Yeah, I
0: guess like because allergies are just like your immune system freaking out, right? And Mm-hmm. And Other animals have immune systems It's not like a unique thing
1: <laughs> Other animals have immune systems <laughs> And endocrine Agnes systems Martin.
0: <laughs> Agnes Morton probably had an endocrine system
1: <laughs> Are we just here to plug our descriptions? <laughs> <laughs> oh. um. right, so there you go We probably had like three episodes in one today We had like what? Four facts Unicorn Cats Dogs are actually best friends <laughs> yeah, nice <Man>. save. <laughs> how generous are we? <laughs> yeah, let's call it end there. Good night. Mm. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for watching us. Late Night. Late <laughs> Night with, uh, Colin and Joe. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoy your day. Or night.